So this is the uh, Interledge community call, bi-weekly call. It's the 8th of July, um, if you're joining us via recording. Um, on the agenda today is the Interledge uh, website and related websites, open payments, payment pointers, web monetization. Um, there's no other proposed topic, so we'll see what people want to discuss at the end. Uh, this topic was proposed on the forum, which is where you can propose topics for future calls if you'd like. Uh, we start a thread for each call and uh, anyone who has topics is welcome to post them in there. Um, this was proposed by Matt and there's been some feedback already from, uh, well, from myself, Kincaid and, and uh, Yuri. Um, so I see Matt and Kincaid on the call. I don't see Yuri, but uh, Matt, since you proposed the topic, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Adrian. Um, so I think the, the main gist is there's, there's two issues that we want to solve. I think the, the first issue is um, making the, the copy on the Interledger site more congruent with the current thinking of what Interledger represents. Um, and I think that's really important from a, from a perspective where people come to it, they can understand what Interledger is trying to achieve and how to achieve that. Um, people get lost very quickly on the site uh, with misunderstanding what it is due to previous thinkings about the network. So that's the first thing. Then the second part is like, how do we do that from like a technical standpoint? Um, so those are like sort of the two things I would like to see solved. Okay. Uh, when you say um, aligning the discussion or, or like the content, uh, what do you have in mind? Like what, what do you think? the site should mostly focus on? Um, that's a good question. I think like that probably needs to be decided by the community as well. Um, <laughs> but like, I think that, <laughs> I think overall that like there is, I think there's two parts. The one is like how Interledger is basically like uh, the, the, a payments clearing network where peers predetermine like the settlement arrangements and being a bit more explicit, like how that actually works. Um, and then secondly, trying to like flesh out what it means with the current Interledger network and maybe some like thinking on like how, what, what are the ideas if you wanted to join, if you were a partner coming on board. Um, and then I think Kincaid, like the reason I brought up Kincaid's point as well, because he's also done a good job with some of the stuff he's uh, sort of done a, a ViewPress site so far, where he's also gone to discuss more high level overviews of the different layers in the stack. Um, from like a bird's eye view rather than like in the weeds technical that I think could also help from from that perspective. Okay, yeah, thanks. So so just for context, um, I mean, the site we're talking about is interledger.org. There's a number of sites that really sit within the community um, and all of them um, out of interest are, you know, open source. So the, the content you see at interledger.org, webmonetization.org, paymentpointers.org, openpayments.dev, all four of those, the actual code behind them is all on GitHub and, and anyone who wants to suggest changes can do so and has been doing so since we started the community um, via pull requests. Um, I guess one of the things I think we also need to figure out is sort of a governance process around that, like um, who should be take ultimate editorial responsibility for what's there. Um, I think the RFCs has a pretty good process, but like just general copy and, and stuff, I think in the same way as code has to, needs to have some code owners, we, we need code owners of the, the code behind those websites as well. Um, I think it's the timing is 
fortunate with the formation of the Interledger Foundation and, you know, the kind of um, the fact that the intellectual property and brand and trademarks and all of that kind of stuff sits within this uh, not-for-profit foundation, which is a not-for-profit, by the way, and it's been granted not-for-profit status. Um, I don't know if Stefan wants to talk to that at all, but um, maybe I've stolen this thunder there. Um, so, like, that's, you know, that sort of has to be figured out, I think, as well. At the moment, it's a little bit of a free-for-all. Um, and, and I would say probably the site that's being best maintained and has best sort of reflection of uh, content that's valuable to, so well-targeted content is probably webmonetization.org. Uh, open payments is pretty good as well, but uh, you know those have been recently updated and they're sort of fresh. Um, Interledger.org, in my opinion, has just gotten a bit stale in that um, the Interledger journey has been long and winding road, and and some of what's there is dated. Some of the thinking is maybe not exactly uh, accurate. Um, I think there's quite a strong cryptocurrency slant still to it. Talking about things like ledgers. I think anyone from a traditional payments background um, doesn't really understand the concept of a ledger in 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 that context. Um, so there's yeah a couple of things there that maybe we need to address. Um, Kincaid is on a plane, even though he's managed to dial in. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be able to uh, to comment. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add, Kincaid? Are you able to to talk? You are able to talk, but we're not really able to hear you, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry, Kinkay, that's <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll. I think the purpose of the meeting today is not necessarily to make any final decisions, but just to raise this topic again. It came up, I think, three or four meetings ago. Um, with the goal of going out and doing some investigating. Um, and maybe now's the time to bring some of, you know, what people have discussed to the table. Um, from my side, I put a proposal in the forum. I'm gonna quickly just say what I put in there. I'll, I'll repeat what Kincaid said in the forum as well. And then if anyone else wants to add. So, um, you know, from my side, we've certainly found with open payments, web monetization, that um, picking a, sort of fit built for purpose framework like docusaurus was really helpful we could just focus on the content not focus too much on you know building the whole website um, i think that works really well for something like interledger.org and the rfcs and so on um, one of the challenges with interledger.org at the moment is the site actually renders from two repos um, it I don't know if it auto publishes anymore. It used to auto publish whenever um, stuff was merged into the, the main branch. Um, and uh, it was moved to a different system that unfortunately I think only the spring folks know well and hasn't really been, I don't think is auto publishing anymore. Um, so my recommendation was to move to DocuSaurus so we can get some um, standardization across what we're using to back our different sites um i think uh, matt suggested something like viewpress but you know i don't have strong opinion other than 
it's just extra stuff for somebody to learn. The second proposal I had was that we actually use the RFCs repo as a place to work on RFCs and that when they get published on the site, um, we manually just copy them across um, and put them, um, you know, put them on the website. Uh, so that repo, everything that's in the rendered on the website is actually from the website repo um, and is not um, sort of trying to do clever uh, sort of embedding. Uh, part of the problem is that it, because it's rendering from those two repos, when you um, do base URLs or it, there's this funny like weird linking problems that crop up, um, which I think, you know, we can avoid. And, and um, we're at a stage in the life of interledge uh, protocol stack where like the um, the iterations on the RFCs is slowed down significantly. I think we, we need a place to reference a lot of the um, foundational RFCs, but um, it's not like we're, you know, proposing new stuff uh, all the time. Um, that was my thinking. Kincaid um, suggests uh, he's, he's happy to work with Docusaurus, but said <laughs> he would like to improve the theme. Um, so we could get some design resources behind that. Uh, I thought Kieran did a great job with open payments. We've also got some other folks at Coil that could help us out with that. Also, if anyone in the community wants to have a stab at, at providing a DocuSaurus theme that um, you know can improve on on what's there today, or, or at least um, uh, you know modernize it. I don't want to say modernize. It feels like you can't really modernize something that's only a few years old. But anyway, um, and then he's he's made a comment on the synchronization uh, between the repos. Um, he, his proposal is that the RFC's repo remains the canonical source of truth for both working progress and finalized docs. I think that's a fine suggestion. Um, and then separately have the website publish them, which I think it, I think we've basically landed on roughly the same idea. Um, his final comment was that, um, in his opinion, the problem with the current website is that it requires manually rebuilding based on the RFC's repo. Um, that I think is just uh, an artifact of the switch to the new system. It definitely used to auto build. Um, so we can look into that. I mean, if there's a process question there that we need to look at, um, that's, that's, I think, an easy thing to solve. So for me, the big tickets are, you know, uh, look and feel revamp, um, a rethink about the information architecture of the site, like who's the target audience? How do we break out the different information? How do we, when is it appropriate to direct people to the RFCs versus give them a sort of TLDR of what Interledger is and what the, how the stack fits together? And then um, finalize the sort of governance model around who, who is responsible for um, approving changes to the website. Um, I think the model we have already for the RFCs is probably okay. Anyone else have comments on that? Sorry, that's a bit of a ramble from my side. Does it make sense to use DocuSource for the website? Like, isn't it more of a documentation tool? Um, and I apologize because I don't, I'm not familiar with it. So um, we use it pretty effectively for open payments where there's sort of a website element to it and a documentation element to it. Um, although that said, I think we may have actually combined DocuSource with something else. I'll have to go and check. Um, Webmonetization.org is also using DocuSource. Um, so we, we are, I can look into it. Um, like I'm not super familiar with 
alternatives. Uh, I played with Dr. Soros just because of those two. So if there's other alternatives people can suggest, I think, great. I like uh, something called HTML. <laughs> I don't know, we don't have any HTML experts anymore. <laughs> Is that the thing that comes out of React components? <laughs> no, that's, that's JSX. No, that's... Uh... But, but like afterwards, like don't those turn into HTML or something? I don't know. I don't know. Do we have any, <laughs> any old people who know? <laughs> Um, hey, any thoughts Adrian, on that? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I have one, one question. Um, it's always confused me that we have the RFCs in two places, um, like one in what I would call like pretty print on the website and one in GitHub. I, for one, only ever use GitHub. Um, I'm wondering if we have either some data analytics or traffic on the like pages, the RFC pages on the website. Like, uh, would it be a tenable proposal to not have the RFCs on the website, only have them in GitHub? So that is an interesting question. I'll give you my perspective and then open it to the floor. Like we had a big debate about this um, at some point when I proposed that we change how the links are done on GitHub so that they work naturally on the website. Um, and in the end, there was a lot of pushback against that idea and we stuck with links that work on GitHub. So if you're linking between documents within GitHub, they just work naturally. But then when they were published to the website, they went through a kind of a rewrite um, helper that would adjust them to be work relatively for the website. Um, I think that made sense before when there was a lot of bouncing around between RFCs on GitHub by people who were actually editing them and working on them. The reason I like the website is, A, if we design the theme properly, they're easier to read. And B, like the website gives us flexibility to do things like, um, you know, build metadata around those documents for things like search engine optimization. And also, I, I like interledger.org slash RFC slash RFC number as the canonical URL for an RFC. Um, I think we can trust that that will always be the canonical like URL. Any other thoughts on that? I mean, if, if others, are there others who also prefer just the, the GitHub branded version? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, just in terms of the, um, you know, the historical reason of, of how it ended up this way was um, we originally uh, wanted just to put it on the website, right? But of course, you want to have a repo that backs the website so people can make pull requests and things. And so you kind of can't avoid to have a copy on GitHub, um, but you, GitHub doesn't give you a lot of control over how things are rendered or um, if there's any kind of interactivity. It's just a pretty limiting, you know, place. And so the question is kind of, you know, are we okay with those limitations or are we going to box ourselves in if we, if we say like the, the only place on GitHub and then if we later need a feature or we need to change how it's being presented and we can't do it. That's kind of the concern. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. Like, I think that my thinking is like we can, all, like, it can always be added on. 
Um, I don't think fixing the RFCs is the first issue that we need solving. Um, so my thinking would be, let's solve some of the copy and the website, and we can always add the RFCs on onto that if we feel the need to. Uh, like it's it's not like it, it's an additive feature. It doesn't and it doesn't require. It's not breaking. So I don't think there's like we don't need to make a decision on that necessarily now. Yeah, um, I think maybe maybe the most valuable use of our time now is to just to brainstorm some ideas about what what we would like the interledger.org website to look like. Like, what are the what is the content that we think makes sense uh, to be on that site? Like, what you know how how um, how do we partition the data? You know, what are the who are the expected users? We've had this conversation before, but I think these things change and evolve. Um, does anyone want to take a first stab? In the absence of a stab, I'm going to take a first stab. Um, so I, I can just say what I what I think it needs to do, or, or where I think interledger.org needs to be uh, as a sort of landing place for people interested in finding about in finding out about interledger needs to be simpler um and to be honest less developer focused i think um development on top of interledger is actually a function of um finding an ilsp and working with them and i think that's changed i think historically we had talked a lot about you know running your own connector and connecting to other people and building this open payment network I think what we're seeing is that uh, the live interledger network is predominantly is being held up by um, you know licensed uh, entities and as it evolves it's going to be through those entities that people get access that doesn't mean they wouldn't necessarily have access to raw interledger protocol I think they should and, and hopefully will um, but I think the focus has to be on um, what are the benefits of Interledger sort of to the payments ecosystem and to, uh, you know, different use cases and talk about things like web monetization and open payments and, um, and so on and, and talk about people who are already on the Interledger network and um, sort of we should be selling Interledger to new potential network participants would be my um would be my proposal. Uh, at least that should be the primary audience. That may be controversial, so I'm going to stop there and see if there's any comments on that. Less controversial than I thought then. Um, or just Kincaid isn't able to speak, and so um, <laughs> he can't say he disagrees. Um, so that yeah, that would that would be at least my initial thoughts, and and that um, you know we we talk about it from the perspective of how is it going to help, for example, you know digital wallets, banks, um, you know people who are struck like what are the problems that it solves for them? What are the new use cases it enables for them? um and and then how these pieces all fit together um so that you know part of a sort of the bigger picture vision rather than diving straight into the uh the sort of real like technical detail 
I think for a lot of people, the technical detail needs to come way, way down the, the learning journey. Anyone have any other sort of target audiences they, they can think of that we need to, we need to cater to here and, and how we might want to do that? Another, another thought, um, so throwing it out there, see what others think, is um, to provide some sort of comparison between Interledger and, and sort of similar technologies. So, you know, where does Interledger fit in versus, you know, more traditional payments clearing systems, maybe card networks? How does it compare to similar systems that are very crypto focused? Um, why is it different? Why is it better? Um, what are the trade-offs, that kind of thing? Um, we've never really um, ventured into that territory before, but maybe worth worth doing. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that, I think the thing is trying to be a bit more explicit and like what are the, the things that's trying to solve. Um, so I think that would help as well to see from people who are in the like in certain spaces to see how that fits in with their current understandings of using things um yeah so I, I think like like ip you know you can go and you can connect a bunch of computers together and use you know the internet stack privately to create a little network that that's still possible for interledger but i'm not sure that that's the use case we're pushing i think we need to talk about the interledger network at least as it exists today and it's been used for you know at this at this stage only really web monetization, but that's the that's the seed or, or the beginning of what we would hope to become this sort of global payment network that supports all of these different use cases. Um, I think if if we sort of as a community are um, agree with that sort of vision, and that's you know, at least from Stefan Evan, the rest of the foundation board, that's the direction they see things going. Um, then we should be explicit about that on the on the website, and, and we should be you know stating that um, plainly. I keep waiting for somebody to step in and say, "No, that's a terrible idea." So please, can somebody just do that now already? <laughs> Okay. Or, or what could be helpful is if people agree, just also say you agree because like, <laughs> what could be, if, if, no, but I'm just saying like, I, I, like I suspect most of us have been thinking this for a long time. I'm just trying to get a feel for that. Um, or is, is everybody just like, this is the first time they're thinking about it and they're just like, okay, it sounds okay. Let's go over this. Yeah. Look, I, I think, I think the way to do this, I mean, for anyone who hasn't been thinking about it, it's maybe difficult to like immediately have a strong opinion. Um, for anyone who has, maybe you, you agree or you just don't feel like putting your neck out. But probably an easier way for us to do this is to um, go beyond the sort of abstract and actually start proposing um, some of this stuff, putting it together in some sort of a, um, an early version of what this could look like. So maybe an unstyled website 
the, which shows the sort of information architecture, like how would, how would the information be broken out and, uh, and so on. Um, and then we can discuss that, you know, we can get feedback on that. Um, but I do think before we go there, before we decide to publish this um, and make these changes, we do need to also agree on the, the governance process um, because we, we, we don't want to repeat where we, what we've done before, which is, you know, we put stuff out and then in a few months time, people disagree and put some new stuff out. And, and I, I'm, I'm worried that <clears throat> without a sort of process for editorial um, management, if the, as the community grows, uh, it becomes a bit of a free for all. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what folks think is a good process on the editorial side. I think the ILF owns the brand. So technically has, I guess has some sort of uh, overriding um, vote there, but that's not really being exercised or been the case up to now. So I'm not sure, Stevan, if you have any strong ideas about how you think this should go, if we should um, make it very community driven, um, or at least where the, where the ultimate responsive, editorial responsibility should lie. I mean, the ultimate you know, responsibility is always with the foundation board. Um, but I think the main thing now that the foundation is a little bit more operational, um, you know, this is when we should define what some of these governance processes look like, because I think a lot of times the board won't have, you know, the day-to-day the -day understanding of, of, you know, how to make those decisions. So it's more like, let's put a, come up with a process on how we decide these things, um, and then the, the foundation board can ratify it. Cool. We, we, are you imagining that maybe this kind of thing would fall within the scope of the executive director to, to approve? Like if someone wants to make, you know, beyond just small editorial changes, someone wants to make major changes to like Interledger website that the ED would sign off on those? Yeah, I don't know if I have any more uh, deeper understanding of this than anyone else on the call, so. Okay, but you're our only board member on the call. That's why I'm I'm picking on you. Sorry. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, technically, technically, so I chair the community group. Um, so you know, my job, as defined by W3C process, is to find consensus in the community on on things we do and produce as a community. And I think we've we've been pretty good in terms of following W3C process so far, uh, in terms of producing anything we've we have produced. But the reality is, W3C doesn't take a position really on like the IP, uh, at least the trademarks and, and brand and so on. And I think, uh, as we've discussed most more recently, some of those things are important as well. Um, and that's where I think the, the foundation will want to have a say, as you say, as it's operationalizing, um, to ensure that the sort of the mission is being, you know, upheld. Um, so maybe maybe that's something for us to go away as well. Um, I'm happy to put a kind of a proposal together, a proposed process. Maybe we can even iterate that on that on GitHub. Anyone who's interested, um, GitHub or, or on the forums or something. I'll kick off a thread on the forum um, after this call. And once we've got a rough sort of idea of what people want to do, we can um, we can get the board or whoever to sign off on that and say, yeah, as the Interledger Foundation and you know, uh, 
kind of custodians of the brand into Ledger, like we're happy with this process for the website. And bear in mind, this is mostly just to do with the website itself. Yeah, I mean, at, at the risk of, of uh, just repeating exactly what you said, like I think the the way I view the role of the foundation is that it it's sort of it's not itself a user of Interledger, right? So yeah. it can't it can't know or decide what is the right direction for it, but its job is more to put in place a process where the community can uh, come to a consensus on what that direction should be, right? And like, um, I think maybe there are some places where the foundation should take a bit of a stance. Like for example, um, I would probably prioritize um, real world usage of the network over um, kind of more theoretical things. Like it's not that theoretical ideas for what the network could be aren't valuable or, or useful, but I think that um, you know, in order to, to keep growing and, you know, keep making it more interesting for commercial adoption and for people to invest their time and resources into it, it's important that the, um, the practical use cases work and, and people who are trying to connect to, to other people that are using it for commercial use cases already are able to find the resources that they need and that sort of thing. So I think that um, that would be sort of the extent of the, uh, what I expect the foundation to take a position on. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so I think next steps is like, put your hands up if you're interested in being involved in this process. I, I don't think it's a process we can do via video conference, but um, we maybe take anyone who wants to be a part of figuring out both the governance process as well as the new website itself. Um, let's let's get together on on slack and the forums um and and start to put some stuff together on paper um and and iterate it on it from there and then um yeah let's see where we let's see where we get to um for the next call anyone have any other comments or thoughts um on that i mean we, we don't have anything else on the agenda so we're not short of time but i don't want to really go around in circles for the sake of using up the hour Adrian, this is David. I would second your your comment about use cases. Um, I would say, in my experience, the use cases that like don't have a real world solution today tend to be very interesting to people. And people say, "Yeah, Interledger makes a lot of sense there." So specifically, like web monetization is a, a great example. Uh, but I've honestly struggled to sort of convince people that. Uh, other use cases that are well served would be like that it's better for them to like stop using what what they're using now and like move over to Interledger. So I wonder if um, like one option would be to identify other use cases and like put together like some sort of comprehensive or convincing like pitch, if you will, on the website. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree, and I think maybe part of that is the comparative analysis. It's like. What yeah. are people using today for e-commerce? Like what, where, if you look at an e-commerce transaction today, like who are the stakeholders, who are the participants and what mm -hmm. are the different technologies they're using and where would Interledger replace something that they're already using today? Like what's the, what's the Interledger, the piece that gets replaced by Interledger and then why would Interledger be better or worse, et cetera. Like that's, yeah. that's probably something worth doing anyway, even if we haven't called it out 
previously, maybe it's time to to get into that um, that sort of analysis, uh, even just for our own sake as a community to understand like what are the use cases, what are the pros and cons of the different use cases in terms of like the ones we pursue. So I do, uh, I guess, I'm an alternative there. I, I don't necessarily prefer it because I prefer Interledger as like being able to have many broad use cases, but. If I put my branding hat on, um, a narrower use case is easier to understand. It might be, you know, more compelling as like a way to, to like slot Interledger. So like an alternative would be to not try and present Interledger as the payment system for all payment systems. And like to Stefan's point, like the thing that is getting real world commercial usage right now is uh, like web monetization based networks, I think. Um, I'm not aware of other like sort of real world, world use cases that are getting lots of traction just yet. So, you know, there is an alternative where we kind of say Interledger is the payment network for micropayments. And you could imagine over time it grows bigger uh, and encompasses other things. But from a branding perspective, that's an alternative that I don't love that because I kind of wish Interledger worked everywhere, but um, something to think about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think the so maybe we have different ideas of how we would do this use case thing. Like for me, um, web monetization would be one of the use cases, and we would, you know, there the the comparison is with other maybe micropayments capable networks, and saying like, why would you use Interledger versus I don't know Lightning Network or um, Ethereum? Channel, uh, payment channels or whatever other options are out there. Um, and then, you know, for e-commerce, why would you want to use Interledger versus Visa and MasterCard would be an example. Maybe that's the wrong comparison, but I think just doing that, going through the exercise of figuring out what is, what is the sort of comparative technology and for each of those use cases and, and, you know, maybe a page on the site for each one. Or I don't I don't exactly know how you would lay this out, but that, that's maybe the homework we have to do first. Is um, you know I think a lot of this is implicit, or at least it's in the heads of people who've been doing this for a long time, and isn't explicit enough on the website and out there. It's like these are the things that you could use Interledger for. This is what it's already being used for. These are the participants on the network, and looking at these use cases, this is like how we see it evolving. Um, and, and the call to action there for anyone who visits the site is, oh, that use case interests me, and oh, these val the value proposition of Interledger over the things I'm using today is also useful to me. So um, am I an end user? Okay, well, there's not much I can do other than you know lobby my wallet to get on the Interledger network. Am I a wallet? Well, hey, I can, you know, I can get on the network today. Um, so those are the... I guess that's that's the way I was envisioning it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that'd be a great idea. Cool. Well, if there's if there's nothing more um, on that one to cover right now, um, I will see if I can put a kind of a, a rough framework together tomorrow um, and start trying to uh, get sort of people gathered around that on, on the, um, we actually, <laughs> when we first created our Slack, we had a, I think a documentation channel or 
we've got a lot of channels on the Slack. We should we should archive a bunch of them. But um, uh, maybe the documentation channel on the Slack is a start or um, I'll give it some thought. I'll send out a I'll send out a mail to the mailing list, um, and and we can pick either Slack or a forum thread or something as a starting point for this, and then this is sort of self-organized. Anyone who's interested in being involved, you know, can get involved. Um, if we feel after iterating a bit via one of those asynchronous channels that another call is in order, we can do that. Um, but what I'll do is I'll commit to having. Uh, some feedback for the call in two weeks, um, either to say we've put out a call for participation, no one else in the community was interested, so this is what I've done myself, or that you know we've had a whole lots of input and this is where we are. Um, but I think at least for the next call, what's probably worth having is a proposed sort of editorial process. Um, some proposals for a tech stack for hosting the website, or maybe just a con, you know, consensus on a tech stack. Um, and then a rough information architecture, sort of uh, roughly what are we gonna put on the site? So those would be the goals for the next call. Uh, if anyone wants to help me um, get that done, uh, yeah, let's, let's organize ourselves on Slack or the forum and we'll, um, we'll report back to everyone on the next call. And on that note, the next call is on the 22nd of July. So before we wrap up early, uh, any last comments, any other um, topics anyone wanted to bring up? Just a very, very short update on um, the foundation. Um, you kind of spoiled it a bit um, but <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> earlier. But um, yeah, so, so the Intelligent Foundation has been officially granted uh, 501c3 status by the IRS in the US. That means that um, anybody in the US who's filing US taxes and donating to the uh, foundation can deduct those donations. Um, and I'm not enough of a tax expert to know what it means for people outside of the US, but uh, maybe someone else does. Um, so that's one update. And then the other update is um, we've extended an offer uh, for an executive director for the foundation. And um, uh, the candidate, Brianna Marbury, she has accepted. And so we now officially have a executive director who will start on July uh, 20th. Um, so I'm sure she'll be on a future call and uh, you, you all get to meet her, but uh, we're very, very excited. Board is extremely excited to have uh, someone really, really amazing uh, to, to head up the foundation and um, I'm sure you'll love her. So um, yeah, uh, it's been crazy ride. Like I think it's taken us something like three and a half years or something like that uh, <laughs> since we started like trying that. to, yeah, since we started trying to set up the foundation. But hey, you know, if you keep at something eventually, you, if you bang your head against the wall long enough, you actually will succeed. So um, another data point towards that. Um, yeah, so we're pretty happy. That's awesome. So, I mean, is that appointment public yet, Stefan? Um, it is now. <laughs> are we gonna? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but I guess it is. <laughs> um, there, I, there are some. There are some. There are some things like I wanted to um, let let people who are on the call know first. Um, you know, there are some formalities still, like the board still has to officially confirm the appointment, um, things like that. 
but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really foresee any issues there. So um, maybe let's, uh, before we, you know, start blogging about it and stuff, let's maybe wait till July 20th um, when Brianna actually officially starts and then um, we can let her, you know, kind of announce it to the world herself. Um, I think that's pretty good, appropriate way to do it. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's that's sort of where I was going, but wasn't really sure exactly <laughs> the practical implications. Cool. That's great news. Thanks. Um, last call for discussion topics. Otherwise, we'll call it a day. Okay. Uh, thanks, everyone. I think uh, easiest for the for the website is I'm going to start a forum post. If we find that's not working, we'll move to Slack. Um, and we'll chat again on the 22nd of July. Thanks again all for joining. Ciao.